Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for March has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they really are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E, fly, and let them know you heard about them on 5x5. This week's episode is brought to you by HostGator, a premier web hosting provider. If you are looking to start a website, HostGator can help you get started with monthly hosting plans, one-click installs, and tons of other features that make getting your site up and running easy. If you're a more advanced user or a business, HostGator can take care of you with reseller plans, VPS, and dedicated servers. HostGator guarantees 99.9% uptime no matter your size or needs. If you're a WordPress user, you're going to love their one-click installs and optimized hosting platform. When you host with HostGator, you get unlimited disk space and bandwidth. They have free site builder tools that are super easy to use, but if you find yourself needing any help, they have 24-7 support to ensure everything is running smoothly. So head on over to HostGator.com to learn more. And when you decide to purchase, don't forget to use the offer code DANSENTME and get 30% off of everything at HostGator.com. All right, my guest this week is David Duval. Did I say that right? Yep, that's perfect. Thanks, Brad. Yep. All right. He's a university professor at the University of Winnipeg. That was a little redundant. <laughs> that's okay. No, it's accurate, though. So he's a, a professor at the University of Winnipeg. How's it going? It's going very well. How are you? I am. I'm warm. It's like 40 degrees. It's warming up. Isn't that great? 44, actually. That's. I think that's a high for the last two months. It's funny because that when friends of mine overseas would call and they, you know, they'd say, "Well, you, you know, are you suffering from this this polar vortex that it's making the news in the United States and the South?" And I said, "It's like that here in Winnipeg every winter, so it's not even news." <laughs> yeah, we, I guess things have been record lows for us. Yeah, we don't really notice, but like we hit negative fifty something it's Fahrenheit. Ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah, that was, of course, by the time you get that low Fahrenheit and Celsius are about the same. So. They are. Yeah. It's just uh, cruel. It, it really, it's been a cruel winter. It really has been. It has, but um, I'm happy to see things melting except for the backyard. I don't, I don't, uh, the dogs and yeah, it's going to be a mess. <laughs> they'll be happy when the snow's gone. I bet they'll be happy, but I will not. Me and my shovel will be unhappy. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> All right. So, so you're currently in Winnipeg, but you spent ten years in New Zealand. Yeah, I did. Almost, almost ten years. We, we, uh, we. I moved to New Zealand in uh, about six days. In fact, it was exactly six days after defending my PhD in Toronto at York University, and spent six months in New Zealand. Then came back to Toronto and married my uh, then fiance, now wife, uh, who I'd met in Toronto. And we moved back to New Zealand, and we thought originally we'd only be there for two, three years. We weren't really sure, but it ended up being, uh, well, I ended up becoming home, to be honest. And our daughter was born there. So, you know, it, it's a pretty special place to me, I have to admit. So what, uh, what took you there? It was, it was primarily the opportunity. I mean, it's, everybody hears about how New Zealand's a lovely place, and it is. Like, if you like the outdoors, it's a great place. Uh, and we weren't really that outdoorsy, never have been. But... The opportunity was really to work at the University of Otago, which is known uh, as, a, as one of the top universities in New Zealand. And even in that region, it's known pretty highly or it's held in high regard. And they had a program there that was looking at tourism management, which was an area of interest of mine. 
And I jumped at the chance. I really did. And I, I, you know, I don't regret it in the slightest. And it's, I miss it. I miss the country. I miss the people. Um, I miss the fact that I used to walk to work and walk through a rose garden. And now <laughs> I commute whatever, 35 minutes, I guess. But it's, it's such a lovely place. There. And Lord of the Rings was filmed. We lived in a city called Dunedin. Lord of the Rings was filmed about two hours from where we lived. Uh, in an area of the South Island called the Maniatoto. And when you drive through it, um, and if you ever go, Brad, let me know, um, and I'll hook you up with some places to go. But when you drive through it, you can see, like a lot of Lord of the Rings was very much digitally altered, but you can actually see the landscape and go, that's, that's totally Lord of the Rings. And the story that I heard, I remember this when they were filming it, is that a lot of the local farmers were pretty, um, they were pretty ticked off because a lot of the extras that you see in the movie were, uh, people that would normally be involved in the shearing of sheep, but they would rather go be orcs than shear sheep. You know, well, who would? Who yeah, would? exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, did they yeah, ever great. shear sheep in costume? Like you know, right. like off, like they're they're on their break, so they go shear a sheep, but as an orc. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty good. A uh, good promotion for the movie. Peter Jackson would love it. <laughs> is there a, is there a big golem problem in New Zealand? If there is, I didn't see it. I hope not anyway. That's good. They tend to keep to themselves. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. So, and, and what exactly was the job in New Zealand? I was, a, I was a professor there as well. I started out as a lecturer and then, yeah, there's a lot of different ranks in academia, but ostensibly I was a prof. That's what I was doing. Okay. Yeah. And did a bit of consulting work and still do a little bit of consulting work now. But it, it, uh, before I was in, in New Zealand, I was at a consultancy firm in Toronto doing market research. So I did a little bit of that in New Zealand through the university. So it was, yeah, it was good. A lot of fun. What's it like to pick up and move to a, to a new country? Yeah, it was, you know, it was an easy decision for some reason. And I think it was that stage in my life. And I was thinking about this not too long ago. And I, you know, would I do it again? Maybe, but it would be a bigger decision because of, you know, family circumstances now. But back then, it just seemed really easy. And, and New Zealand's pretty much like um, Canada, like socially and, you know, just in terms of cultural interactions. And of course, it's very different culturally in a lot of ways. But, you know, the people are very similar. So it, I actually found slotting into New Zealand or Kiwi lifestyle to be pretty easy. And it was no, not much different. Like, you know, they put beetroots on burgers and they drive on the other side of the road. But other than that, you know, the people are pretty much the same. I have to say it was a bigger culture shock coming back to Canada. Huh. It was, it really was. I was a little, oh boy, I'm back in, I'm back in Winnipeg where I grew up and I know all the roads and, oh look, this road still isn't fixed. And, you know, huh. like the disappointment of returning home. Kind of felt like that. It really did. It kind of felt like that. I was yeah. born in uh, Jackson, Michigan. Oh. And I had very idyllic images in my mind of Jackson, Michigan. Left there when I was like three. I just, I just had these flashes of like sunny streets and sidewalks, yeah. and and then uh, spent some time in Detroit and grew up in Ann Arbor, and eventually, just very recently, like last year, I went back to Jackson. Oh, okay. And it's a hellhole. Really? No offense to anyone living in Jackson, but it's a hellhole. Wow. It was, Has it declined economically, or what? what I what don't. Time? I think it was always probably kind of like you come in on like there's. Two ways into town, and either one of them are covered with like strip joints and <laughs> and liquor stores, and you finally get into the middle. And I didn't; uh, it was just very really? white, white, trashy. Oh boy! But it's you know I understand why my parents got out of there. 
Yeah. And, and yeah. Have, my mom grew up in Detroit, so it probably didn't seem so bad to her. <laughs> yeah. Of course, she grew up in Detroit in like the uh, like Motown era. When oh, I'm, really? Oh, yeah. that'd be amazing. That would be amazing then. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, Oops. anyway, like I got a, a, a job, like an interview offer for a company in Columbia, South America. Really? And my, like, it sounds so fascinating to me. But there's something very, uh, very scary to me about moving, like switching countries. Yeah, I mean, you you have to. You have for the, I'm just thinking tax reasons. Number one, I mean, you have to. I had to be pretty careful, or we both had to be pretty careful for for tax reasons about severing all our ties to Canada, um, for the risk of just assuming tax responsibilities here in Canada if we didn't do that. So that means getting rid of all your bank accounts, you know, liquidating any assets that you might have, um, and just severing your ties. And that that's certainly a concern. But then on top of that, there's the cultural concern and even the language. Con- well, how's your Spanish? <laughs> <laughs> Muy pequeño. <laughs> That's better than mine. But you'd have to be concerned with all of that as well. And I'm guessing Colombia is going to be a lot different than than New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the major appeal was that they offer through this company, uh, well, m- b- they offer time off for Spanish lessons and horseback riding lessons. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, like that's very appealing. Like it would be such a lifestyle change. Yeah, like it, it, yeah, you'd love it. I've talked to other domestic companies around the country, uh, and it, there hasn't been any really truly appealing reason for me to leave my nice Midwest home. Yeah, uh, and and move into a much smaller place in a potentially warmer climate. That's yeah. it, it's kind of tempting, but not enough to make a cross country move. But yeah, there's the, something so appealing yet so scary about switching countries. It can be. And I think as we get older and we're not getting any younger, I think it becomes I think the risk is greater, I think. I think that's just the way we perceive it. When we're young, we just it's fine, let's just go. Yeah. What, what what's the worst that could happen, right? Um, I don't know. That's that's how I perceive it anyway. Yeah. I have I have a, a pseudo family, you know, like wife and dogs. <laughs> and uh, you know, two people, it's not a big deal to move. The dogs, yeah. Yeah, the, if I could find a place that allowed dogs, and I assume Colombia is okay with dogs in general. Yeah. Don't they have like dogs, like like wild dogs? I I, I'm sure do. everywhere has wild dogs. I think they do. Yeah, I think, I think they, they do. I've heard that as well, actually. Did you ever see that video? I think it was in Canada of the guy, who, like patrolman, who pulls over a car, like just flags it down on foot from the side of the road. Yeah, and he's like issuing a ticket or a warning or something, and then a pack of like twelve wolves come running down the street. I did see that actually. Yeah, and the guy he gets and the cop gets into the car. Yeah. The, yeah. I love I that. I did see that actually. A buddy of mine in Ontario is an expert in wolves. Actually, I mean, I keep I should have sent it to him and see what he thought of it. See what was going on. They may have been coyotes though. That's the first thing I thought. Or were they actually wolves? I don't. I don't know. I actually, I've only ever seen one coyote in my life, or yeah. coyote, as you say. Coyote. I thought, isn't that what they're called? Coyotes. Is yeah. it? Is there a difference between plural and singular? Uh, pass. I've always, know. I've always heard them called coyotes, but it's probably a regional thing. It could be. But this buddy of mine, he knows how to do a wolf call, and uh, he's pretty good at it. And it's it's he takes his kids up into the middle of the Ontario wilderness and does wolf calls to see if he can get a response. And sometimes he does. Nice. 
Isn't that amazing? I'd love to do that. My pit bull can do a wolf call. Really? She does it in her sleep. She do, she never howls really like when she's awake. <laughs> but sometimes in the middle of the night, she'll be sleeping by the bed and just. <laughs> it's so <laughs> spooky because it sounds a lot like an air raid siren. Yeah, I bet it does. What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> Jeez, that's hilarious. And she doesn't wake up when she does it. She'll just like go from that immediately into a snore. I've seen videos online of dogs that are they're, they're dreaming and, and they're running in their sleep. And it's just yeah. hilarious. Well, our dogs do that. And I've always been curious. I should talk to your wolf expert friend. But I don't, do, yeah. they, do they actually, like, I don't know if that, like, the, the feet, like, running yeah. is, are they actually dreaming about running? I think that's kind of hard to say. That's true, yeah. But I wonder if they actually get the rabbit in their dream. <laughs> we, we anthropomorphize a lot. <laughs> that's true, we do. Oh, actually, too funny. One of my picks will be all about that. Oh, good. I'm going to take a quick sponsor break, and we'll be right back after these messages. Our second sponsor today is Shutterstock.com, where you'll find over 28 million images, stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and 1 million video clips. Start your search at Shutterstock.com to find that perfect image for your website, ad, publication, or any other creative project. Shutterstock.com gives you a global image collection to find images from around the world to suit your project. Choose between image packs and monthly subscription packages, whatever fits your need, and you never have to compromise. If you need just one image for a blog or a mock-up, you can do that too. Every time you visit Shutterstock, you'll find something new since they add 20,000 new images every day and 12,000 videos each week. And it's more affordable than you think with no extra charge for large files. You can download any image at any size and pay only one price. They don't nickel and dime you for high-resolution images. If you need them, just take them. Easily curate and share pictures via Lightboxes. You can choose your favorite pictures or videos and add them to your own Lightbox gallery as you search. You can also use their iPad app to do this. And there's something called Enhanced License Access. If you like an image and want to run it on print or swag for your trade shows, then get you an enhanced license for any image. They also have a huge library of vectors, icons, infographic templates, and video clips should you need any of those. And if you need help at Shutterstock.com, you get an account rep dedicated to you who will answer any questions, and they have 24-hour support during the week. To sign up for a free browse account, go to Shutterstock.com, no credit card needed. When you find the images you like and decide to purchase, use the offer code DANSENTME314 and get 25% off of any package you put together over at Shutterstock.com. So you're a professor. Mm-hmm. Yep, I am. And you have worked with uh, distance learning in addition to classroom. Yeah. About 10 years ago, I was involved in some early efforts at, uh, we called it extramural education, distance learning. And we ran a couple of, in New Zealand, courses are actually called papers. So we ran a couple of papers uh, by distance. And they're a lot of work. They really are. Um, and there wasn't a lot of innovation with respect to um, you know, how students learned the material. A lot of it was just them reading at their own volition and, and, and writing essays or undertaking tests or exams on the subject matter. So that was 10 years ago. Um, and now that seems to be changing, isn't it? Well, what were the biggest challenges 10 years ago? Uh, part of it was, you know, students and email access and, and, and internet access for that matter. Because if you have a student who's, you know, in rural New Zealand, often at the time they had trouble 
accessing the internet. And if they were, it was at dial-up speed. So you had to be pretty conscious about the size of files that you were sending them, or not maybe sending them, but making available to them using the university's uh, information portal system for online learning. And they just, sometimes they just couldn't do it. So often you would have to print it out and, and mail it to them. Um, so you'd be mailing them a box of materials, a box of readings, because they just didn't have internet access. And well, I don't know, that doesn't sound like a very, it didn't at the time, it didn't sound like a very good experience to me. And I think I even heard that from one or two of them, that this, this, this hasn't been that great. Thanks anyway. No, that sounds worse than traveling and attending lectures. Yeah, yeah it's correspondence learning. Isn't it correspondence learning from the 1930s? That's what they did. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I, uh, I, I was in uh, some remote courses 10 years ago. Like I was on campus, but there were several courses you could take from you know, your dorm room or, yeah. you know, for most people it was from home. Right. But I felt like that would be fun. So I did it. And we, I, I guess I had decent internet access, just dial up. But, yeah. um, but a lot of our like classes would be taught in IRC channels with like a, a phone connection and then chat in IRC. Oh, wow. Okay. And I had a, I had a fair amount of uh, hacking skill at the time. Okay. And IRC can be a lot of fun if you know what you're doing. <laughs> and and your professor doesn't. <laughs> Just create mayhem wherever you you know we do you remember Pine, obviously you remember yeah. that. My first email address, I think, at the University of Manitoba was nineteen ninety. And and speaking of mayhem, we if I remember correctly, a few guys used to find some way of, of attaching to a just a pine email message, like attach C colon windows, and then it would blow up the mail server for the next six hours. Nobody would have email. And it was, you know, very early days, of course. That was essentially <laughs> my tact. If I didn't feel like going to class, I would kick everybody and then split the server. <laughs> that's fantastic. Good for you. I, that's good. That should earn you bonus marks. I, I think so. My Absolutely. professor was never amused, but I never got caught. Like it always, it was always blamed on technical difficulties. <laughs> I.e. Brett Terpstra. Yeah. yeah. How how would how did the, how was the course run? Like, was it video or audio or what? Did it, you do? it was audio. Like, we would talk and then we would exchange. It was an art class. I should. Oh, I so there were a lot of images exchanged via JPEGs, and our coursework would be graded, uh, like any quizzes and tests. We would submit uh, via email. Yeah. They would be graded, returned, and then we would have lectures and discussions and critiques over. The combination of IRC and telephone. Oh, that's not bad. It wasn't horrible. It yeah. it it was actually. I I preferred it to going to class, but that's mostly because I do way better sitting in a room by myself and kind of being slightly distracted. Yeah. Than being in a class where I feel like I'm forced to either covertly sleep or pay attention, and those are my only two choices. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I somehow don't do well with that. I think you know these days. I tell all my students in my classes: keep your laptops open, and you know because I might call upon you to check something. You know, f somebody fact check me on this particular thing because I just don't know. I mean, and with information being so ubiquitous, um, it it would seem to me a bit ridiculous to have a policy that, that says you must sit there, back straight, you know, phone off, computer off. Uh, and just look and listen to me and don't do anything else. No, well, if you, and I, if you, yeah. I think that's a major shift that, that's happening in uh, colleges everywhere. Yeah. Because 
you can't keep people from Facebooking and texting while you're in class. Like no. it's, it's yeah. too much trouble. And the benefits of having that technology available yep. outweigh the negatives of, of, you know, social media. Absolutely. Yep. Abs- I have, I have students now that, that tweet me in class, you know, and they find something and they tweet it. Um, see, and I, I, think, I don't see it, but I don't not, not in class, but I see it later. It's great. I, I do think that's great. I do think that learning to leverage the things that used to be outright banned. Yeah. Um, ACU uh, in Abilene, I think it's Texas. Okay. They've done a really amazing job with uh, kind of incorporating technology. They give iPads to every student and build curriculums around uh oh around iPads and around having access to all syllabi and quizzes online and everything. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a, a huge difference. So what's gotten better for you? With, are, um, are you still doing any, any distance learning? No, I, I don't. I've, I haven't done distance in a long, long time. I mean, there's, our university is moving. They're very interested like every other university. They're very interested in, uh, doing a lot of online education and these under under the rubric of these so called MOOCs, these massive online open courses, um, and those are very interesting and 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 they can they have the potential to be or at least to spur at least some innovation in higher education, which is always always a good thing. Whether or not it's disruptive is um, is I think it remains to be seen because there are a lot of people, a lot of detractors of these you know MOOCs that are out and about. Uh, the business model, I don't think, has been proven yet. I could be wrong, and I could be proven wrong, which is totally fine. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm not. I have to admit, I'm more interested right now in the smaller classes. And and we have at the University of Winnipeg, we we pride ourselves on small class sizes, and that's part of a function of having just small rooms on campus, but also because. I think we put the value in engaging with students and having discussions. Like I'm teaching a fourth year course in international business right now, and it's pretty much zero technology. Everybody bring your laptop. We all sit in a big circle and we talk about things. And the whiteboard's behind me, and occasionally we sketch things out on the whiteboard or put some ideas down. But I have, uh, like I use Sublime Text to make notes for each class. Um, I put all the notes uh, online on my Squarespace site. And I use uh, I use your NV Alt to actually make notes for 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 lectures and housekeeping issues. And I have everything in front of me. I've got a uh, I've got an iPad in front of me, and I've got a MacBook Air, 11 inch MacBook Air in front of me. And that's how we do it. We discuss things, and that's something that can be replicated online. But you don't have the organic nature that comes with being present in a classroom. I don't think you do yet. Well, yeah, and I think the difference there is that it, you're talking about a conversation right. instead of a lecture. Tell me about sure. sitting in a circle. Well, we have to rearrange the room because there's about 30 of us in the class. And, you know, we sit in a circle and that way everybody's equal. I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert in, in pedagogy and there are people who train under, you know, with degrees in education, which I don't have. They know more about this from, from what I've read that... When you sit in a circle, the the idea there is that we're all equals and we're there just to discuss something. And there's no such thing as a silly idea. Let's just discuss the material. Let's find holes to poke in it. Let's uh, let's explore ideas and let's explore how these various readings are connected, for example. And and it works. You know, does it work for every student? No, it doesn't. But you know, at the level that we're at, four thousand level or fourth year, 
these students have game. They're pretty bright because they made it that far. Um, they're not slouches. They're they're pretty pretty switched on, and they prove that every class. And this is the first time I've done it in a long time. And I used to do it overseas with much smaller classes, but I'm actually loving it. I absolutely love it. I uh, I like the idea of removing the front and back rows of a classroom. Yeah. Um, you know, like the good kids up front and the stoners in the back. <laughs> And, That's exactly right. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel I would miss the back row. And I'm not yeah. a stoner. Never was a stoner. Well, right. not with weed. Um, <laughs> but uh, never never wanted to sit in the first two rows. I think maybe it was a fear of interaction more than anything. But a circle kind of... It, <laughs> I'm going to contradict what I just said. Circle reminds me of like an AA or a 12-step meeting. <laughs> where you you're you kind of you're more comfortable sharing but you're also kind of forced to be a part of the conversation yeah and i don't do this is why i don't do this at first year at first year i very much adopt the model of the sage on stage which is what is often poo-pooed um uh these days with the so-called blended learning or interactive learning but when i teach first year introduction to business it's very much me at the front with a deck of keynote slides and talking to the slides, not reading off them, but talking to the slides, showing news items which relate to the topics, and then, and then attempting. And it doesn't always work well, I have to admit it. I'm not always successful at just trying to get a little bit of interaction because a lot of first-year students, when you're – and I remember, I don't know what you were like, but when I was first-year, I didn't want to say anything in class. I wanted to just, just tell me what I need to know. Let me think about it, and if I want to send you an email afterwards with some thoughts, maybe I will. Uh, but for the most part, first-year students, most of them, will want to just sit there and absorb. And that's totally fine. But at the fourth year, no, all bets are off. You have to interact. That's my view. You should be interacting because I know you've got something to say. You don't make it that far without uh, you know, a pretty keen intellect. So let me know. Tell me what you think. I, uh, I, my my first-year teachers, actually all my teachers throughout my higher education, regularly referred to me as the a-hole. <laughs> Really, in a in a in kind of joking sort of way, but if I was going to say something, it was usually contradictory, and it was usually in a sarcastic tone. That's okay, though. You and, know what? Quite often, <laughs> those are the most successful students. I'm not kidding. Those, well, yeah. Go ahead. The, well, the teachers, they like I said, they would say it jokingly, and those were generally the teachers that I remained the best friends with after exactly. the class. Yep, exactly. Yep, it's very true. The students that I see that do the best in life are the ones that have the gift of the gab, and, it, and you do, and it sounds like you did back then, um, who, are, you know, who are always thinking about things from a, a slightly different angle you know, and, and, and with a slight critique to it and uh, are a solid B, B-plus student across their courses. That's exactly me. Yep, there you go. And it was solid Bs and B-pluses despite my best efforts to, to destroy my career. <laughs> it just... Bees happened for me. Bees happened, yeah. I got a D once. And, well, you know what? This illustrates, I remember this course. I did a course in medieval Europe, which is a topic now that I find utterly fascinating. But the way it was delivered made me think, and I remember this vividly sitting in classes, because I trained as an archaeologist at the University of Manitoba and used to do work in, in the Caribbean. And I remember sitting in archaeology classes, which I was just absolutely fascinated with. And then looking at buddies going, yeah, I don't think it's a history kind of day today. And I never went. I rarely went. I got a mm -hmm. D in the course. And that's, you know, that's what it's like. I, uh, I had that problem with calculus. Oh, yeah. Archaeology does fascinate me. I, yeah. I, we should have made an episode about that. 
Yeah, we should. I, yeah, some of the stuff I was doing in, in the Eastern Caribbean on the island of St. Vincent, I remember having arguments with my then supervisor, and we're still close friends today, whether or not the pottery that we were finding, is this from the island Carib, the people that Columbus actually encountered? Or is this from the black Carib, which are a mixture of island Carib and black slaves from Africa? And we would just stand there arguing. And I was not, you know, not arguing, arguing, but having debating. a debate. Yeah, yeah, debating. And I was looking at my old master's thesis recently. And man, I missed that. I really do. Yeah, hmm. I, that, that does sound fascinating to me. Wow. I, I, I find that far more interesting than a lot of the uh, art debates that I went through. Well, I think, the most, I think the most surreal experience I ever had, I was in Antigua in 2000 and, no, when was it? No, 1998, that's right. I was in Antigua and I was with a couple of friends from York University um, and we hooked up with another friend of mine who was the museum director there and we went around this famous site called Indian Creek and I found a piece of pottery, as you're pretty, it's pretty common to do and that's probably around the time of Christ, maybe a little bit later and then about 15 feet, maybe 20 feet away, found another piece and you know they fit together. And that is so rare in finding that <laughs> on the surface, but it was just such a surreal experience. It really was. That sounds really fun. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I think I'll take a sponsor <laughs> break here. Sure, sure. And, uh, and then we'll get to my favorite part. Okay, so our third sponsor today is Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code POTOFGOLD. All one word. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. They have beautiful templates for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. Everything is drag and drop, so it's easy to add content from your desktop and even rearrange elements of content within a page. Squarespace makes sure your site automatically looks great on any device because every Squarespace website has its own unique mobile design. You can easily connect Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Google, and many more web and social services. Squarespace also has e-commerce on their platform, so if you want to set up shop and sell things, you can in just a few minutes. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you need some help, over 70 Squarespace employees are on the customer care team, which is based in New York City. They're available for live chat during the week and have super fast email support throughout the day and night. And for the Squarespace fanatics, your time has come. You can now apply to be part of the Squarespace team. Squarespace is looking to hire 30 engineers and designers by March 15th. That means they're inviting potential candidates and their spouses to be New Yorkers for a weekend, completely on them. So if you want to hang out with little Ryan and gaze upon his long, luxurious looks in real life, check out beapartofit.squarespace.com to learn more. So as I said earlier, you can try Squarespace for free, no credit card required. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. Make sure you get your 10% off and support the show by using the offer code POT OF GOLD. So thanks to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and Systematic. I'm doing really well with these reads today. You are. You are. Well, generally, you're doing really well. I've been you getting are. better. Yeah. Did you ever hear like my first episode? I've been a listener since episode one. Man, it was painful back then. Eh, it wasn't painful, but you know, it's, that's, it's, a, it's growth. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> So I need a sound effect for the top three picks. I want like a trumpet blast at this point. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, make sure everybody's awake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
just <laughs> just to express my excitement. I love this part. <laughs> Me too. Actually. All right. So what's your first top pick this week? First pick is an app that actually brought me back to the Mac platform in 2006, 2007. It's Devon Think Pro Office. Um, and it's, um, I remember them, they, it, it, Devon Technologies is the company. And I remember them advertising it back then as the, the app for knowledge workers, which was the buzz phrase, I think, in the mid to late ni- uh, 2000s anyway. And I, when I was on the Windows platform, I used Microsoft OneNote. And I thought, well, if I'm going to move to the Mac back to the Mac, because I used to use you know, System 755 with an LC2 years before that. If I'm going to move back, I want to be able to replicate what Microsoft OneNote did. And this looked promising. So I've been using this for about seven years. And it's basically billed as a place where you can just organize data and information, every, everything. So you can manage, you can archive email with the pro version. You can import all kinds of documents. You can even write in it, plain text or RTF. Uh, you can import things, or this is what I usually use it for, is I import websites into it via snippets right from Safari or from, uh, from Chrome. Um, it, I use it as a repository. Um, and one of the best things about it is that because I tell it to index, uh, let's say, my folder of journal articles, and I'll have, you know, I think it's two gigabytes of journal articles from academic journals, I'll tell DevonThink to index that folder and then if I'm going to go search for something, it'll use, you can use Boolean operators and, and uh, do some pretty fancy searching. It will actually show you other uh, documents in your database that relate to the, what you just found or what you, you know, what you just clicked on to view in your database. Uh, and, and to me, that's extraordinarily powerful because it tells you, and it, you're, I'm finding things literally in databases that I just didn't know I had. Um, <laughs> it, and that for someone is just, uh, if, if you're really collecting a lot of data and attempting to make use of a lot of bits of information, that's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I think the two things that intrigue me most about Devin Think are uh, OCR. Uh, so you can just scan in documents and they're automatically indexed and part of your database. Absolutely. Um, full text. And then the, the auto tagging and relationship generation is, yeah. it's the best in the business. No one's ever really replicated what DevonThink can do with its kind of artificial intelligence and deciding what's related to what. Yeah, they do do that pretty well. It's auto, is it called auto classify? I think. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. It's been a while, but. But I've always I've always wanted to replicate that in other environments on the Mac. Yeah, and it's such a, a complex intelligent system that it's not something that I can just script a solution to. <laughs> if anyone so, could, you could though. <laughs> uh, one of these days, one of these days, I'll make a I'll make a, a note like a plain text note management application that really can can handle relationships. Yeah. More yeah. than just more than just matching words. It's a it's a that would that would be really useful. I mean, it's this Devon thing is a pretty power. I don't I don't use it to write. I mean, I write everything in Sublime Text or I I bounce between Sublime Text and TextMate to be honest. Like every five months, I switch and say I'm done with this. You know, I'm going to go back. Um, but I I use it as I say just as a repository, and it's it it I can look up things instantaneously and it's absolutely a, a, a real, real valuable tool for me and for the work I do. Let me ask you this. Mm. Do you code? You know what you know what I code in? LaTeX. Because I, I do I write in plain text and if I, for the website I write in markdown. 
but often I will write documents and papers, uh, course outlines, memos in LaTeX. And that's a poor man's coding because LaTeX is, is kind of a coding environment, isn't right. it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you I love could, it. It's, yeah. a, it's a scripted environment, I guess. Yeah. But I, I guess my question is why, why would you write in like $50 editors like TextMate and Sublime instead of something like Multi Markdown Composer? What's, your, uh, what's the benefit for you? I just I w- I was drawn to TextMate simply because of having a nice black background and writing in courier <laughs> fonts and or Monaco. And I remember emailing you once because you had some code snippets on your website, and I emailed you saying, "What's that font?" And it's like, "Well, it's Monaco." It's like, wow, I, I should have known that, but I've been using Monaco ever since, and I like that. And I bought Sublime Text Two at the time because I was interested in just playing around with it. I like the fact that you're editing. Is it are they called JSON files? Is that what you're editing? Yeah. Yeah, I like the fact that you edit a JSON file and tweak it. And I've got, I use GitHub, sorry, uh, Gist uh, to hold all my Sublime Text 2 configuration files. And I've got uh, my preamble for LaTeX in uh, a text expander snippet that just pops up. And I love it. I think it's the geek in me that, you know, uses Sublime Text 2. But it's for what I use it for. It's, you're right. It's kind of a waste. Now I'm thinking it's a waste of money. (laughs) <laughs> well, no, I, I, I wasn't implying that it was a waste. No, I know. I was just intrigued by, like, if you, like, what I like about Sublime for writing is, have you ever used the Markdown editing package? Uh, yeah, I do. I use, I, I actually do use that, and it pulls it up using, I use your Marked to do that. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah, like, there are things that I can extend Sublime to do that none of the other uh, uh, Markdown editors can do. But I still, I prefer, if I'm just writing prose, I still prefer Byword and Multi-Markdown Composer. But, really? Yeah. But yeah, I like the there's projects. a power there. I like the projects in Sublime Text too. Like, I've got a couple of projects. Sure. So I just, I walk into class and I open up my, you know, project for that class and boom, all the files are on the left-hand side and in the sidebar and it's just easily accessible. And, you know, it, you know, it... My university, a lot of people still use Microsoft Word. In fact, you get things in Microsoft Word all the time. And yeah, it, I know how that goes. So painful. It really is. So if, even further down this tangent, have you, <laughs> have, you, have you looked at Dexet yet? What's that? No, what's that? It, it lets you turn very basic markdown files into the equivalent of PowerPoint presentations. Oh. It, it's a presentation software. And I've, you know, I've scripted, I have... I have scripts that will turn single markdown files into large, like reveal.js presentations. Wow. But Dexet has a whole presentation environment built in with like notes and, and preview screens for your next slide. And, uh, and you can, you can automatically have images expanded as backgrounds or as, you know, left or right really? aligned. And yeah, it's pretty cool. You might, Actually, yeah. cause you you mentioned like, you know, presentations earlier on. Yep. Yep, and you also mentioned Markdown, so I was just wondering. Yeah, I use I use Keynote for presentations, but I use uh, I use Pandoc to convert sometimes Markdown to uh, to Word or to DocX yeah, sure. or, or to LaTeX. Um, and I yeah, I love I love Pandoc. Pandoc is I mean I always forget I, I don't use it enough to remember all the commands offhand, so I always have to have and I use MVAlt for this uh, to to have all the commands kind of listed there, and I can refer to them in MVAlt. That's and what all, Cheaters is for. Oh really? Oh okay. Have you ever seen Cheaters? No. I've heard of it, but yeah, maybe I should. Do you think I should use that instead? Well, I use it. I mean, uh, the reason I wrote it was so that I could have like a um, floating panel 
without without having to like jump between notes. Oh, really? And the latest, yeah, I should use that latest version. You, like you can customize and only have like two or three cheat sheets, and then you can tab between them with standard like tab movement. Yeah, like Command Shift, left and right square bracket. Um, because, yeah, I should maybe I should use that then. It's handy. It's handy, and if you run it in Fluid, you can make it a menu bar app. Oh, really? With a, with a shortcut key, and then pin it when you need to. <laughs> I'm gonna play. see. That's good. It's gonna be good because I use Envial also for um, uh, for all my LaTeX, 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 not LaTeX, LaTeX stuff. You know, you know how, how do I do this again in LaTeX? And I have a, I always have a note for it. Um, it was just a little meta and surreal when I was planning out notes for this podcast, and then I realized, oh, I'm using NVALT, which is what Brett wrote. <laughs> <laughs> it has recently been uh, copied as a commercial app before I got around to it. What? I'm not really? going to advertise for it. No, but. don't. No, don't. I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah. I, will, I will finish my commercial version as soon as possible and re- recapture the market. Good. Um, but uh, let's see. All right, so my first pick then is uh, uh, it's called Time Parenthesis Duration Calculator Parenthesis. Um, it is a iPhone app. I believe it's iPhone or an iPad, but basically you tell it when you do something uh, like shower. If you're the, if you're like me and you have to keep track of how long it's been since you've showered, and and it will show you in a nice vertical display that you showered you know, a day ago. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I, I put in last time I worked on my book so that I don't let more than two days pass without making serious progress on this book I'm working on. Yeah. Um, last time I published a blog post and then I can just look and see how long it's been. You can also put in, you know, met my girlfriend, married my wife and, and you can see like exactly how long it's been and when the next anniversary is coming up. Yeah. And we were talking about this pre-show and you said, so this is basically an app for guys. It's totally, totally, totally. I think that's very, very much so. My wife always knows exactly how long it's been since I showered. (laughs) Whereas I have to debate with her, didn't I? No. Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, this app is, I think it's maybe $1.99. Yeah, no, it's 99 cents. Amazing, and you can you can use it. You can also set future dates and say like uh, you can do basically days until, and then you can check things off or uh, complete or reset them to the current day with just a quick swipe. It's pretty handy for. I'm thinking that might be useful come for like wedding anniversaries and that because it, it they always sneak up on me and so do birthdays and and then you're left with a day to decide what to get and then you you ask your kid in my case what do you think we should get mommy for our aunt what's an anniversary dad what do you would never mind what do you think we should get mommy for a present because we have to daddy has to get mommy a present and maybe this could be useful for that yeah and there's another one and i'm forgetting the name of it that's specifically designed for that reason i think it was called moments but i'm not seeing it in my search right now Mm. um but yeah i do like i like time duration calculator i think they had to add the parenthetical after it because if you search for time on itunes you'd never find it um but uh i like it because you can get a really quick overview of what's coming up almost like a calendar app and yes you could use a calendar app for it but my calendar tends to get cluttered with a bunch of stuff and i don't always look a month ahead 
Exactly, exactly. So for these very important monumental dates and, and you know, keeping track of time since, it's, uh, it serves a very unique purpose that I really like. And credit, Actually, credit where credit's due, uh, Ink Rocket is where I learned about this. And that's a blog that if you haven't checked it out, it's great. Rocket Ink, I'm sorry. Rocket Ink, yeah, yeah Rocket, Rocket Ink, yeah. My mistake. Um, it's a very, very fun blog that yeah, he's got a lot of good stuff on there doesn't he he does he's uh constantly he's like me constantly experimenting and uh and trying new things out and i find it fascinating yeah me too and he, he for every blog post he hand draws the main graphic for the post i wondered that is that all done by him yeah yeah patrick welker he, he uh yeah. I, I assume i assume I guess That's, I just made that assumption, but uh, yeah, it seems to me like they're very, maybe like in uh, an iPhone app. I wondered that too, because some of the, some of the color very, or the color uses and the way the color is applied to the graphic is seems uniform. I'm not, this is not a criticism because I love it, but I always wondered how he did that, whether he was doing it himself. Yeah. Like maybe like with the paper app. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I should ask him. Yeah. I'll ask him, but yeah. But, um, like, I'll no. put that in the show notes. That's a great blog. Um, okay, where were we? Your turn. My turn. Number two um, is ARC. A-R-Q. Um, now, the, 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 it's Haystack Software. And the fellow who runs this, uh, Stefan, I think it's Wrightshammer. Really nice guy. Really, 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 really nice guy. It's been around for a while now, hasn't it, I think? Yeah. I've been using it for a long time. But, yeah. but I think you're talking about the brand new version, which is a huge jump yep. forward. Version number four. And you blogged about this just on the weekend. So we have to include a, a, a note to that or into the show notes. But I'm, I'm a bit of a backup nut. So this is a key part. In fact, I think it's the only part. I have to, I have to say think because I don't think I back up anywhere else online. But it's a key part of my online backup strategy. And Arc runs for me every hour, and it is basically a utility that you use to back up specific folders. You tell it what folders you want, and it will back up. And it used to be only to Amazon S3 and Glacier. But now, with the new version, version 4, which was just released, what, a week ago, I think it was? Uh, you can back up to DreamHost or Google or Green Cloud, and, and you could even back up to your own SFTP server or your own NAS. Which is uh, my favorite part. Yeah, and that's why I was, I'm thinking I might buy a buy a NAS device in the near future. I have like nine hard drives hanging off my iMac downstairs. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Every night, starting at about one o'clock in the morning, that iMac gets mirrored using Super Duper, and uh, it goes to four different hard drives. And it's just it's just silly. It really is. But Arc has been fantastic. You schedule it when it backs up, which is great. Uh, you can even set a budget, which I like. So I don't really worry too much about that because we're not limited in terms of bandwidth here in Manitoba. But well, if, like the budget originally was for S3. Yeah, it so was because you pay per gig. Yes, that's right. And mine got really expensive. Yeah, I remember you. Know, you said that in your blog post, but mine right now. I was trying to think. I think I've only my bill is never more than ten US dollars a month. Mine's fifty. Wow. But I use S3 for a lot of things, including yeah. like as a CDN for my blog. Oh, do you? So, yeah, but it adds up. Like it sounds so cheap when you start, but 50 bucks a month is... That's a lot. That's a lot, yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that is a lot of I think I have 10 gigs of lecture files. Like I've, I think I said earlier, I record every lecture I've done since 2004, 
and it's all they're all in a in a an Amazon bucket that's about ten gigs. So it's ten gigs of me. <laughs> audio or video? Audio. No, all audio. Totally audio. I started recording. Get this. Do you remember mini disc players? Yep. Um, I started recording all my lectures using a Sony MZN710 mini disc player with a Sony omnidirectional mic. And the way to get it into an MP3 was to play it back in real time using a uh, one-eighth inch uh, audio patch cable that goes into the back of the, my old Windows machine. And that's how I recorded it. And that's how I got it up as an MP3 and just saved everything. So I can go back and listen to a lecture I gave in 2005, which is not at all interesting to anybody, but you could. You could still package them up by like course and then sell them. Yeah, that's right. I should. I don't know why anybody would buy it, but I probably I could sell it. if I You could never cry. know. You, you never know. know. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, uh, I recently switched Arc over like version four. Also, greatly improved CPU usage for me over version three. Uh, like it used to, it used to peg my CPU when it was backing up, and there were times that I uh, switched to like Backblaze because Blackblaze was just slightly better on my CPU. But version four is has been just great, and the it, if I just let it run at full speed uh, to my SFTP server, which is on a very high bandwidth line over at mac mini colo mm. and uh yeah it, it's fast it's it's low cpu and it's versioned backups that i can i can sift through by you know hours days yeah um i'm also looking at um doing some stuff with BitTorrent sync and time machine on the I remote side yeah i use BitTorrent sync religiously i love it yeah absolutely me love too. it me yeah. too i've actually like i usually keep like my I have a scripts folder where all of my scripts run from. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is generally synced via Git over my multiple machines. Okay. But I've switched it over to BitTorrent Sync and I've, I've loved it because yep. I don't, I don't need versioning in that folder. That no. folder's already backed up. It's already time machined. It's already versioned through Arc. Yeah, that's right. Synced. And and that the same thing here. I've got three machines that I look after, and the one iMac downstairs is um, is God. That's the one that just sits and doesn't get touched, uh, and it basically holds everything. It's the repository, and it gets everything gets mirrored and copied and backed up on that machine. But any file that I have on my MacBook Air, I also need to exist on my 15-inch MacBook Pro because the MacBook Air is my travel machine, but right. the MacBook Pro just stays at home. And BitTorrent Sync, you know how I got into it? Is it because when Apple released iWork, the latest version of iWork, I found that Keynote and apparently Pages and Numbers, the file type were packages. And the syncing service I was using at the time was SugarSync, which is still a good service. But it had trouble parsing out Keynote packages and it wouldn't update it. And I thought, well, okay, well, this is going to be a problem because I need that. And I eventually tried BitTorrent Sync, which also had a problem with the new iWork files, but... What I did like about BitTorrent Sync was how instant the uh, the syncing was. And it was with SugarSync as well, but I didn't need that online copy of things with SugarSync. So eventually, I went to BitTorrent Sync, but I moved back to you know iWork09, and I've stuck with BitTorrent Sync ever since. And I, I love it. It's just absolutely phenomenal for instantaneous, almost instantaneous syncing. Have you toyed with the uh, folder scan interval setting? Uh, it, I think I read about it. I think you can adjust it into milliseconds or something. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Um, if you go into advanced preferences in BitTorrent Sync, you can drop the 
folder scan uh, interval down to say one one fifty milliseconds. <laughs> Is that what you've got your set? No, I keep mine around four hundred just because it's ridiculous to pull every <laughs> second. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, you can you can get to a point where it's like a pipeline. <laughs> you save yeah. the file and it's there. It's amazing, isn't it? I love it. What a what a just an amazing thing. Yep. All right. So is it my turn? I think it was. Yep. Yep. Okay. So my second pick is, it was going to be an app called Halftone 2 for making comic books out of photos, which is fun. And, and I like it like comic life on the Mac kind of thing. Oh yeah. Uh, so I'll mention that in brief, but my, my pick is actually the, the recent book from hyperbole and a half by Ali Broche. Oh, you ever read this comic strip? No, I haven't. It's, it's, it's quite hilarious. Um, it, I would call it uh, kind of like XKCD with more colors and no nerd stuff. <laughs> it, that is that is to say they're badly drawn cartoons with really, really witty kind of plot lines. Oh, and she actually wrote now. an entire book that actually has like prose in it in addition to the comics and tells the story of her life and depression and... All of these things. And are you familiar with the bloggist, Jenny Lawson? No, no. Another one that everyone should be reading. Um, she is absolutely riotously funny. But uh, but she reviewed this book as, It made me laugh, cry, and leak. It was honest, poignant, yeah. and ridiculously silly in all the best ways, and I'm better for having read it, plus doggies. She writes a lot about dogs. I think that's why my wife and I got into it to begin with. <laughs> But yeah, um, oh, this looks good. I'm looking at her website now. Yeah. Who's? I, it's hyperbole and a half. Yeah, blogspot. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. Yeah, and and the bloggist, just because that's another one worth mentioning, is at the bloggist b l o g g e s s dot com, and she is um, nice. She's amazing. She's good amazing. to have this kind of stuff. It is. That's I went good. and saw Jenny Lawson at uh, a Barnes and Noble reading, and she's. She's exactly what you'd expect. She's very, uh, she does not like crowds. She's neurotic. She's just <laughs> lovable. <laughs> this is fascinating. Yeah. I love the artwork. The artwork is really intriguing, isn't it? It is. It is. It's not, it's not well polished. And that makes it to me yeah. very um, lovable. What's this costume? They're making a cost. Should we take this costume to Goodwill? No, burn it. It will only cause problems for someone else. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, it, it, it's similar, I guess, to the oatmeal. Uh, less, uh, less about science and more about personal personality. Yeah. But yeah, definitely worth a read. And the new book is called Hyperbole and a Half, Unfortunate Situations, Flawed Coping Mechanisms, Mayhem, and Other Things That Happened. Hmm. This is interesting. I never would have found out about this. Thanks for mentioning it. Yeah. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> All right. So what's your last pick? Number three uh, for me is an app called, Mac app called Sente. Um, and I'm going to get in a lot of trouble from a good buddy of mine, Tim, in Australia for this because he says I only use about 10% of the power of this app. But it's not about what the, and I've, I'm not sure I've told him this. So he'll hear it here first time from me here. It's not about what the app can do. It's about how you use it. And if it works for you, it is ostensibly a reference manager for academics. So you use it to build a collection of research materials, usually in PDFs. And what you can do is you, you add a reference 
from an academic site, um, uh, you know, various uh, databases that a lot of universities will subscribe to. Um, and you just click on the reference and it will add, Sente will pull it down and uh, it will put it into your repository, into your library. You can manually add references um, and then go into Google, you know, highlight it in Google and, and search for it and add the reference to, uh, to the app itself and to your database. And the idea is that over time you've got this massive database of articles and documents and you can export the reference list. So way, the way I use it is I use it to track readings for a class. So for my international business class, there's five modules in the course. And I use my international business Sente database to hold all the readings. And the beauty of it is that I can go in and I can highlight various things in the reading, in the article. And I can you know, just highlight it or I can uh, copy and quote it. Um, I can make comments on it. And it's stored in the database, which gets synced to the iPad version of this particular app. And what you can do is you can export all of those notes and all the highlights that you've just made on a particular article. And you've got everything in plain text if you want it. And it, it's, uh, it, it's a pretty powerful app for just for reading. And it, th- my buddy Tim was, I told him to go and buy Devon Think Pro. And he did. And he didn't like it. And then so to appease him, I went and bought Sente because he had been telling me for years, go and buy Sente, go and buy Sente. And I did, and I love it. So if, if, you use, if you use a lot of PDFs, and it's not just for academics, I would say, but if you use a lot of PDFs and documents like that that you want to highlight and copy things and comment on that you want access to across you know, multiple Macs and even your iPad, then have a look at this. It's, I think the basic account is free. Yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't used it for quite a while. But, and I've never been an academic uh, by any means, but I did, I spent a lot of time looking into ways to annotate PDFs that were relatively future proof. Right. Because, because as much as I love plain text, the PDF format has definite benefits. Absolutely. Especially if it's a vector PDF and you can search the text. Um, right. It, it, from a spotlight perspective, it's just as good as plain text. Um, and being able to annotate, add notes, and view it across multiple PDF viewers and export as plain text was yeah. a major benefit to Sente for me. Um, there's another one. Uh, there's a free PDF annotation app that's been around forever, and now I can't remember the name of it, but it, it oh. did the same. It could save its own bundle format. Is that Skim? Yeah, Skim. Yeah, I use that for when I'm previewing LaTeX files. Skim. Yeah, Skim. Yep. Skim is excellent as well, but uh, but Sente is very well uh, w- polished. You know, it as is. far as especially if you're doing references. Yeah, that's right. And I rarely, as I say, I rarely use it for the referencing feature. I use it for reading, uh, and it's more of a consumption app for me, which is. And and it's not at all really what it's de- well, it's it's designed to do that. You could use it for that, but it's really designed as a reference manager, um, and it's a very powerful one at that. And there's the other one that people use is called Papers or yeah. Papers Two, I think. Papers yeah. is more expensive though, isn't it? Uh, I think it would because I think Sente. I bought Sente when it was eighty dollars, and about two weeks after they moved to this free version plus the upgrade to premium. Um, but I'd still would have gotten the premium version of it. But I'm not sure how much Papers is. Is it? I'm looking it up because um, I could things may have changed or I could be just off base. Papers for Mac is purchasable for seventy nine dollars. Yeah, they'll keep it. They'll keep it roughly the same. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to be over or under by too much. It used to be, and it looks like maybe not so much anymore. Papers was the prettier one. 
But yeah. Sente looks like in more recent updates that it's actually pretty good looking. It's nice. I I, I absolutely love it. It's and 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 as I say, I don't. I haven't really scratched the surface of it, but I found the niche use of this particular app, and the same thing with Devon Thing. I use it for what I use it for, and I guess the same with Sublime Text. I mean, it's I use it the way I use it, and uh, no apologies, I guess. There you go. <laughs> All right. So my last pick is a T-shirt from company called Larry the dog <laughs> and I am uh, it's the best t-shirt I've ever found and I, I think I will wear it uh, for the rest of my life it yeah. just says all I want to do is drink coffee save pit bulls and take naps <laughs> which will appeal to only a small segment of my audience but if you like those three things as much as I do your shirt is at LarryTheDog.com. That's great. I think I should get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Taking naps is definitely high on my list. People, people always think because they know I don't. I have sleep issues. I don't like sleeping, mm. but I do love napping. Me too. I would rather. What, what there's a there's a word. Some psychologist uh, was it Freud? I don't remember. I don't know. Uh, someone someone had the uh, where you sleep like a cat basically. Oh, and there's right. a word yeah. for it, and everyone who's listening knows what I'm talking about, and they're going to write me and tell me what the word was. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, like just an hour up, twenty minutes down, an hour up, twenty minutes down, and I can function like that just fine. Really, I love it. I'm a huge believer in coffee naps. You know, you know, yeah, coffee nap? yeah, yeah, I love caffeine them. naps. We call them. Yeah, love them absolutely. I do that for often. I haven't done it in a while, but I do, used to do it for teaching. So an hour before I have a class, I'll just. Uh, down a coffee as quick as I can and then try to close my eyes and maybe not quite sleep, but even if I do, that's fine for 20, 25 minutes and you wake up and the caffeine's hitting you. Yeah, because it, it takes caffeine about half an hour to metabolize Yeah, and, uh, and really take effect. So napping is perfect at that point because mm. you can go into a light sleep and then you wake up fully caffeinated. Yeah. And it's, it's, I use it when I'm driving too. If oh really? I get, if I if I have to drive to the airport at two in the morning and I get too tired halfway, I'll st- I'll pull over, grab a coffee, and down it, and then just sleep in my car for ten minutes, and yeah. then I'm ready to go. It's often just the isn't it? Just I remember reading somewhere, but it's just giving your eyes a rest. That what is yeah what really, yeah oh yeah I've learned that like even if like I I used to sweat that like in my mind and be like I'm not falling asleep I'm not falling asleep. But just relaxing, letting your body like you can start to feel the the chemicals released that that kind of paralyze you. Yeah. Without your brain going completely under. And yeah. as long as that happens to me, I'm rested. I, I, I get up. I, I do a big stretch at the end of the nap and all my muscles wake up and I sit up and I feel rested, even if I know I never was unconscious or subconscious. Really? I use Coffitivity, the Coffitivity app, sometimes to just help me zone out a little bit to create some white noise. It, oh, that's the one that simulates a coffee shop? Yeah, I, I use that. Or I try to find some binaural recordings. I used to actually record binaural. I should send you a few. I've got a, I've got a recording of a, bi, of a, th- a binaural recording of a thunderstorm in Singapore. I would be um, interested in that. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, because I've got, I've got a set of mics that I from i think it's called from sound professionals in the states and i when i was living in new zealand i ordered them and yeah i just got really into binaural recording but when you get the night when you get a really nice binaural recording of a rainstorm you're out like a light nice yeah all right all right that's That's three three and three 
Three and three. Three up, three down. Guess what? What's that? We have another sponsor. Excellent. Four sponsors. That's that's the new norm. That's pretty good. I hope everybody likes sponsors. <laughs> but our last sponsor is likable. Uh, Shopify is a hosted e-commerce solution that allows you to set up and run your own online store in minutes. Pick a template, add your products, pick your payment processor from PayPal to Stripe to Authorize.net, and ship your stuff with just a few clicks. With Shopify, it's easy to sell online. There's no software to download, host, upgrade, or maintain. Pick from over 100 professionally designed e-commerce templates or create your own with full control over the HTML and CSS. There are no bandwidth limits and no need to worry about scaling when your store becomes popular. Every Shopify store is level one, PCI, DSS compliant, and totally secure. I still don't know what PCI DSS is. I have to look that up, but it sounds very secure. Yeah. Uh, Shopify has just announced their Shopify POS. I always feel weird saying that. Um, does POS <laughs> mean in, in where you live? Does it mean piece of shit? Yep, it does. Yeah, it can. In this case, it means point of sale. Right. It's an iPad application that lets you sell your Shopify store's products in a physical retail setting. It's quick and easy. Browse your store's catalog, pick a customer's product, swipe their credit card, and print their receipt or send it through email. You can automatically sync products and orders, and there's only one dashboard to manage all your retail and online stores. So get Shopify POS hardware, which includes credit card reader, cash drawer, iPad stand, and receipt printer. And order online, and the shipping is free. And I was just in Madison, Wisconsin, and we went to a store that was using the Shopify POS, and it is slick. It is. Really? Oh, wow. That's good. So visit shopify.com slash 5 by 5 and you'll get three months for free. Check them out today. All you need is something to sell. All right. So you can, you, you can be found at DTDUVAL on Twitter. Yep, that's me. And DT Duval is also your website with a .com on it. Correct. That's right. Is there anywhere else you want to list? No, that's you can find everything in those two places. Yep. That makes it easy. It does. It totally does. All right. It really does. Thanks, Brett. I had a great time. I really did. And, wait, and, wait. I'm supposed to thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. I jumped the gun. Sorry. 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 You're welcome, though. <laughs> Thank you for your time. This has no. been a good conversation. Yeah, and as I mentioned before we started, I, I I've discussed you in my first year business class about you know being an entrepreneur, especially in the online environment, and having the right resource bundle to be able to make it work. And you're an inspiration. You really are. It's good good on you for doing what you're doing. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, I might have to edit that out because I'm blushing. <laughs> wait, wait. They can't see that. They can't see that. Okay. Well, I'm Brett Terpstra, and I am at brettterpstra.com, and uh, I'm at TT Scoff everywhere. And I want to mention again that if you have a story to tell or think you would be an interesting guest, just uh, record a two to five minute introduction. Doesn't have to be super high quality, uh, but just introduce yourself. Tell me a little bit about what you do and go to brettterpstra.com slash audio drop. And send me the uh, the audio recording and an email address that I can contact you at. And we'll see how it goes. All right. So thanks again. Thank you very much, Brett. Appreciate it. And we'll see everybody in a week. Thanks for listening.